letter two of red gauntlet by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah letter two allan fairford to darcy latimer negator my dear darcy you have logic and law enough to understand the word of denial i deny your conclusion the premises i admit namely that when i mounted on that infernal hack i might utter what seemed a sigh although i deemed it lost amid the puffs and groans of the broken-winded brute matchless in the complication of her complaints by any save she the poor man's mare renowned in song that died a mile aboon dundee but credit me darcy the sigh which escaped me concerned thee more than myself and regarded neither the superior metal of your cavalry nor your greater command of the means of travelling i could certainly have cheerfully ridden with you for a few days and assure yourself i would not have hesitated to tax your better filled purse for our joint expenses but you know my father considers every moment taken from the law as a step downhill and i owe much to his anxiety on my account although its effects are sometimes troublesome for example i found on my arrival at the shop in brown square that the old gentleman had returned that very evening impatient it seems of remaining a night out of the guardianship of the domestic lairs having this information from james whose brow wore rather an anxious look on the occasion i dispatched a highland chairman to the livery stable with my bucephalus and slunk with as little noise as might be into my own den where i began to mumble certain half-nod and not half-digested doctrines of our municipal code i was not long seated when my father's visage was thrust in a peering sort of way through the half-open door and withdrawn on seeing my occupation with a half-articulated humph which seemed to convey a doubt of the seriousness of my application if it were so i cannot condemn him for recollection of thee occupied me so entirely during an hour's reading that although stare lay before me and notwithstanding that i turned over three or four pages the sense of his lordship's clear and perspicuous style so far escaped me that i had the mortification to find my labour was utterly in vain ere i had brought up my leeway james appeared with his summons to our frugal supper radishes cheese and a bottle of the old ale only two plates though and no chair set for mr darcy by the attentive james wilkinson said james with his long face lank hair and very long pigtail in its leathern strap was placed as usual 
at the back of my father's chair upright as a wooden sentinel at the door of a puppet-show you may go down james said my father and exit wilkinson what is to come next thought i for the weather is not clear on the paternal brow my boots encountered his first glance of displeasure and he asked me with a sneer which way i had been riding he expected me to answer nowhere and would then have been at me with his usual sarcasm touching the humour of walking in shoes at twenty shillings a pair but i answered with composure that i had ridden out to dinner as far as noble house he started you know his way as if i had said that i had dined at jericho and as i did not choose to seem to observe his surprise but continued munching my radishes in tranquillity he broke forth in ire to noble house sir and what had you to do at noble house sir do you remember you are studying law sir that your scots law trials are coming on sir that every moment of your time just now is worth hours at another time and have you leisure to go to noble house sir and to throw your books behind you for so many hours had it been a turn in the meadows or even a game at golf but noble house sir i went so far with darcy latimer sir to see him begin his journey darcy latimer he replied in a softened tone humph well i do not blame you for being kind to darcy latimer but it would have done as much good if you had walked with him as far as the toll-bar and then made your farewells it would have saved horse hire and your reckoning too at dinner latimer paid that sir i replied thinking to soften the matter but i had much better have left it unspoken the reckoning sir replied my father and did you sponge upon any man for a reckoning sir no man should enter the door of a public-house without paying his lying i admit the general rule sir i replied but this was a parting cup between darcy and me and i should conceive it fell under the exception of doc and doroc you think yourself a wit said my father with as near an approach to a smile as ever he permits to gild the solemnity of his features but i reckon you did not eat your dinner standing like the jews at their passover and it was decided in a case before the town baileys of cooper angus when lucky simpson's cow had drunk up lucky jameson's browst of ale while it stood in the door to cool that there was no damage to pay because the crummy drank without sitting down being such the very circumstance constituting dock and duroc which is a standing drink for which no reckoning is paid ha sir what says your advocateship fieri to that exceptio fermat regulum but come fill your glass allan i am not sorry ye have shown this attention to darcy latimer 
who is a good lad as times go and having now lived under my roof since he left the school why there is really no great matter in coming under this small obligation to him as i saw my father's scruples were much softened by the consciousness of his superiority in the legal argument i took care to accept my pardon as a matter of grace rather than of justice and only replied we should feel ourselves duller of an evening now that you were absent i will give you my father's exact words in reply darcy you know him so well that they will not offend you and you are also aware that there mingles with the good man's preciseness and formality a fund of shrewd observation and practical good sense it is very true he said darcy was a pleasant companion but over waggish over waggish ellen and somewhat scatter-brained by the way wilkinson must get our ale bottled in english pints now for a quart bottle is too much night after night for you and me without his assistance but darcy as i was saying is an arch lad and somewhat light in the upper story i wish him well through the world but he has little solidity ellen little solidity i scorn to desert an absent friend darcy so i said for you a little more than my conscience warranted but your defection from your legal studies had driven you far to leeward in my father's good opinion unstable as water he shall not excel said my father or as the septuagint hath it effusa est sicut aqua non crassat he goeth to dancing-houses and readeth novels sat est i endeavoured to parry these texts by observing that the dancing-houses amounted only to one night at la pique's ball the novels so far as matter of notoriety darcy to an odd volume of tom jones but he danced from night to morning replied my father and he read the idle trash which the author should have been scourged for at least twenty times over it was never out of his hand i then hinted that in all probability your fortune was now so easy as to dispense with your prosecuting the law any further than you had done and therefore you might think you had some title to amuse yourself this was the least palatable argument of all if he cannot amuse himself with the law said my father snappishly it is the worse for him if he needs not law to teach him to make a fortune i am sure he needs it to teach him how to keep one and it would better become him to be learning this than to be scouring the country like a land looper going he knows not where to see he knows not what and giving treats at noble house to fools like himself an angry glance at poor me noble house indeed he repeated with elevated voice and sneering tone as if there were something offensive to him in the name 
though i will venture to say that any place in which you had been extravagant enough to spend five shillings would have stood as deep in his reprobation mindful of your idea that my father knows more of your real situation than he thinks proper to mention i thought i would hazard a fishing observation i did not see i said how the scottish law would be useful to a young gentleman whose fortune would seem to be vested in england i really thought my father would have beat me do you mean to come round me sir per ambages as councillor pest says what is it to you where darcy latimer's fortune is vested or whether he hath any fortune ay or no and what ill would the scottish law do to him though he had as much of it as either stair or bankton sir is not the foundation of our municipal law the ancient code of the roman empire devised at a time when it was so much renowned for its civil polity sir and wisdom go to your bed sir after your expedition to noble house and see that your lamp be burning and your book before you ere the sun peeps ars longa vita brevis were it not a sin to call the divine science of the law by the inferior name of art so my lamp did burn dear darcy the next morning though the owner took the risk of a domiciliary visitation and lay snug in bed trusting its glimmer might without further inquiry be received as sufficient evidence of his vigilance and now upon this the third morning after your departure things are but little better for though the lamp burns in my den and voet on the pandex hath his wisdom spread open before me yet as i only use him as a reading-desk on which to scribble this sheet of nonsense to darcy latimer it is probable the vicinity will be of little furtherance to my studies and now methinks i hear thee call me an affected hypocritical varlet who living under such a system of distrust and restraint as my father chooses to govern by nevertheless pretends not to envy you your freedom and independence latimer i will tell you no lies i wish my father would allow me a little more exercise of my free will were it but that i might feel the pleasure of doing what would please him of my own accord a little more spare time and a little more money to enjoy it would besides neither misbecome my age nor my condition and it is i own provoking to see so many in the same situation winging the air at freedom while i sit here caged up like a cobbler's linnet to chant the same unvaried lesson from sunrise to sunset not to mention the listening to so many lectures against idleness as if i enjoyed or was making use of the means of amusement but then i cannot at heart blame either the motive or the object of this severity for the motive it is 
and can only be my father's anxious devoted and unremitting affection and zeal for my improvement with a laudable sense of the honour of the profession to which he has trained me as we have no near relations the tie betwixt us is of even unusual closeness though in itself one of the strongest which nature can form i am and have all along been the exclusive object of my father's anxious hopes and his still more anxious and engrossing fears so what title have i to complain although now and then these fears and hopes lead him to take a troublesome and incessant charge of all my motions besides i ought to recollect and darcy i do recollect that my father upon various occasions has shown that he can be indulgent as well as strict the leaving his old apartments in the luckenbooths was to him like divorcing the soul from the body yet dr r did but hint that the better air of this new district was more favourable to my health as i was then suffering under the penalties of too rapid a growth when he exchanged his old and beloved quarters adjacent to the very heart of midlothian for one of those new tenements entire within themselves which modern taste has so lately introduced instance also the inestimable favour which he conferred on me by receiving you into his house when you had only the unpleasant alternative of remaining though a grown-up lad in the society of mere boys the diminutive and obscure place called brown square was hailed about the time of its erection as an extremely elegant improvement upon the style of designing and erecting edinburgh residences each house was in the phrase used by appraisers finished within itself or in the still newer phraseology self-contained it was built about the year seventeen sixty three to four and the old part of the city being near and accessible this square soon received many inhabitants who ventured to remove to so moderate a distance from the high street this was a thing so contrary to all my father's ideas of seclusion of economy and of the safety to my morals and industry which he wished to attain by preserving me from the society of other young people that upon my word i am always rather astonished how i should have had the impudence to make the request than that he should have complied with it then for the object of his solicitude do not laugh or hold up your hands my good darcy but upon my word i like the profession to which i am in the course of being educated and am serious in prosecuting the preliminary studies the law is my vocation in an especial and i may say in an hereditary way my vocation for although i have not the honour to belong to any of the great families who form in scotland as in france the noblesse of the robe and with us at least carry their heads as high or rather higher 
than the noblesse of the sword for the former consist more frequently of the first-born of egypt yet my grandfather who i dare say was a most excellent person had the honour to sign a bitter protest against the union in the respectable character of town clerk to the ancient borough of burltgroat and there is some reason shall i say to hope or to suspect that he may have been a natural son of a first cousin of the then fairford of that ilk who had been long numbered among the minor barons now my father mounted a step higher on the ladder of legal promotion being as you know as well as i do an eminent and respected writer to his majesty's signet and i myself am destined to mount around higher still and wear the honoured robe which is sometimes supposed like charity to cover a multitude of sins i have therefore no choice but to climb upwards since we have mounted thus high or else to fall down at the imminent risk of my neck so that i reconcile myself to my destiny and while you are looking from mountain peaks at distant lakes and firths i am de apicabus juris consoling myself with visions of crimson and scarlet gowns with the appendages of handsome cowls well lined with salary you smile darcy more tuo and seem to say it is little worth while to cozen one's self with such vulgar dreams yours being on the contrary of a high and heroic character bearing the same resemblance to mine that a bench covered with purple cloth and plentifully loaded with session papers does to some gothic throne rough with barbaric pearl and gold but what would you have sua quemque trahit voluptus and my visions of preferment though they may be as unsubstantial at present are nevertheless more capable of being realized than your aspirations after the lord knows what what says my father's proverb look to a gown of gold and you will at least get a sleeve of it such is my pursuit but what dost thou look to the chance that the mystery as you call it which at present overclouds your birth and connections will clear up into something inexpressibly and inconceivably brilliant and this without any effort or exertion of your own but purely by the good will of fortune i know the pride and naughtiness of thy heart and sincerely do i wish that thou hadst more beatings to thank me for than those which thou dost acknowledge so gratefully then had i thumped these chaotical expectations out of thee and thou hadst not as now conceived thyself to be the hero of some romantic history and converted in thy vain imaginations honest griffiths citizen and broker who never bestows more than the needful upon his quarterly epistles into some wise alexander or sage alkif the mystical and magical protector of thy peerless destiny
but i know not how it was thy skull got harder i think and my knuckles became softer not to mention that at length thou didst begin to show about thee a spark of something dangerous which i was bound to respect at least if i did not fear it and while i speak of this it is not much amiss to advise thee to correct a little this cock-a-hoop courage of thine i fear much that like a hot-mettled horse it will carry the owner into some scrape out of which he will find it difficult to extricate himself especially if the daring spirit which bore thee thither should chance to fail thee at a pinch remember darcy thou art not naturally courageous on the contrary we have long since agreed that quiet as i am i have the advantage in this important particular my courage consists i think in strength of nerves and constitutional indifference to danger which though it never pushes me on adventure secures me in full use of my recollection and tolerably complete self-possession when danger actually arrives now thine seems more what may be called intellectual courage highness of spirit and desire of distinction impulses which render thee alive to the love of fame and deaf to the apprehension of danger until it forces itself suddenly upon thee i own that whether it is from my having caught my father's apprehensions or that i have reason to entertain doubts of my own i often think that this wild-fire chase of romantic situation and adventure may lead thee into some mischief and then what would become of allan fairford they might make whom they pleased lord advocate or solicitor-general i should never have the heart to strive for it all my exertions are intended to vindicate myself one day in your eyes and i think i should not care a farthing for the embroidered silk gown more than for an old woman's apron unless i had hopes that thou shouldst be walking the boards to admire and perhaps to envy me that this may be the case i prithee beware see not a dulcinea in every slipshod girl who with blue eyes fair hair a tattered plaid and a willow wand in her grip drives out the village cows to the loaning do not think you will meet a gallant valentine in every english rider or an orson in every highland drover view things as they are and not as they may be magnified through thy teeming fancy i have seen thee look at an old gravel-pit till thou madest out capes and bays and inlets crags and precipices and the whole stupendous scenery of the isle of pharaoh in what was to all ordinary eyes a mere horse-pond besides did i not once find thee gazing with respect at a lizard in the attitude of one who looks upon a crocodile now this is doubtless so far a harmless exercise of your imagination for the puddle cannot drown you 
nor the lilliputian alligator eat you up but it is different in society where you cannot mistake the character of those you converse with or suffer your fancy to exaggerate their qualities good or bad without exposing yourself not only to ridicule but to great and serious inconveniences keep guard therefore on your imagination my dear darcy and let your old friend assure you it is the point of your character most pregnant with peril to its good and generous owner adieu let not the franks of the worthy peer remain unemployed above all cis memor mea a f end of letter two